Well, I was going to give you a quiz this morning on what the 2020 theme was, but uh, I think we just said it like 17 times. So uh, let's just say the theme together. It's authentic. Maybe I should have just used it as a quiz. Um, this morning, you know, we've been focused on the theme as we've kind of started off this year. And I really, in my heart over this last week, was thinking about what to prepare for this morning, and I felt like I wanted to uh, just reflect on this theme and, and where we're starting off and where we're heading this year. We've been focused on an authentic gospel. We're learning about an authentic wisdom, and we've kicked off this series called The Authentic Life. And the premise of this theme is that we really can make a difference in this world if we have a genuine, real, and authentic faith in our life. If we are living a life that is reflective of the authentic gospel that the Bible teaches us. Over the last week, we unpacked kind of the 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 section of our theme. And Pastor expanded that not to be just verse 7 through 12, but he brought it from verse 2 to verse 12. And this last week, I was just really reflecting on this passage of Scripture, and there was something that stood out to me. There was a picture within this section of Scripture that I just thought would be relevant to us, and I believe will speak to us this morning. And so we're going to turn there. We're going to just start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 2 to 12. As we jump into the Scripture and we reflect on the authentic life, I think it's important that we really define words and think about what words mean to us. And when we think about the word authentic, thinking about the pictures and the things that come to our mind when we think about authenticity, when you think about authenticity, it means that something is real and genuine, that it is something that is untainted, that it is something that is unaltered over the course of time, that it is truly what it was designed to be. And I believe in this scripture here, as we look to it, we'll see a picture of that. Let's start in verse 2. It says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We have previously suffered and have been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you of his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those who are approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for the praises of people. We are not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we are like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to be the bur not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. 
You are our witnesses, and so is God. How holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father who deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. As we've looked at this passage of Scripture over the last week and have reflected on it, and we think about what it is to achieve the calling that God has on our lives or to do what God is asking us to do, we have to remember that we're called into His kingdom, into His family, and into His glory. And I don't think it's a coincidence, but you see a picture here in verse 7 It says, we were like children among you. And then in verse 7, the second part of that, it says, just as a nurturing mother cares for her children. And then in verse 11, it says, we were like a father who deals with his own children. And I believe that there's an underlying picture here of a family. The family that we're called to. And the authentic life is displayed in each piece of this illustration. First of all, in the, in the first picture here, like a child, we see here that a child can represent to us purity. A child can represent to us something that is young, that is fresh, that is, that is still yet to be molded and developed. We see the picture of a mother. A mother often speaks to us a picture of nurturing, taking care of, developing, growing. And a father gives us the picture of leading, teaching, and building. And I believe to us that the authentic life is one of a pure faith, a growing faith, and a leading faith. And if we look at this picture, I believe it really gives us Well, where do we go? How do we live that authentic life? How do we become like the example that's displayed for us in the scripture? One that would be blameless and righteous. One that would share the gospel, not for personal gain or for benefit or to be a burden to anyone, but one that would come with pure motives, with pure intention, with an authenticity that can truly make a difference. And in order to become truly authentic, I believe that we have to be born that way. You can't take something that's counterfeit and make it real. You can't take something that's fake and turn it into something real. I can't go home and put up a model on the computer and print out a dollar bill And somehow come up with some way to make that real. It will always be fake. And I don't think it's a a coincidence that the child is used here as an example of what they were being when they were among the believers that they were teaching. They had pure motives, pure intentions. They had pure hearts. And that really was the foundation for them to nurture, 
It was the foundation for them to lead. It was the foundation for them to teach. So everything was built upon the principle that they came with a pure heart. And just like we can't take something that's counterfeit or fake and make it real, we have to start with something that is pure. We have to be born authentic. Say, but Steve, I'm I'm not living that authentic life, or maybe I don't understand what you mean by that. We have to start real. I don't feel like I'm starting off with something real. Well, if we're not born authentic, then we must be reborn authentic. You know, in John chapter 3, Jesus teaches us this principle that we aren't just born of flesh, but we need to be reborn spiritually. We must be born again, going back to the start, but starting off with an authentic faith. Let's look at John chapter 3. We'll pick up verse 3 to 6, and then just for the sake of time, should read the full chapter, but I'm going to skip to verse 16 to 21. Jesus replied, speaking to Nicodemus, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. In verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. And whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they did not believe in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light came into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does, not, who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for the fear of the deeds that will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light, and it will be seen plainly that what they have done has done or has been done in the sight of God. If we want our actions and our lives to be seen as blameless and pure, we have to be born again. We have to be reborn. In fact, we can't enter the kingdom of God, let alone stand for the kingdom of God, unless we are born again. We have to be born again so that we can have the authentic life. Because that is the way that we are born authentic. The nice part about that is, if we weren't living authentic, we can choose to become reborn authentic. If we feel like we have come into a place where we have strayed away, maybe we've even been born again, but we've strayed away from that, that we can choose to be renewed in the authentic life. We can choose to get back to being like a child. We can go back to the place where we first believed. And maybe this is a moment to first choose to believe. 
to believe in God's only son, to believe in the one that was given so that we can be born again, to be going back to the place where we can experience the light of Christ so that we can shine in this dark world. We can be born again. We can go back to being like a child again. We can believe again. We have to be reborn authentically, and we have to remember the beginnings of our faith and go back to the authentic principles that our faith is built on. As I looked at this picture and reflected about the aspect of being a child, I was challenged to reflect, and the reason I included the scripture there is on John 3.16. One of the most basic and foundational principles of our faith. But when is the last time I took time to meditate on that scripture? Because we often chase after the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and we're looking and we're searching, but sometimes what we're looking for is right back at the beginning. We have to be challenged to remember even the basic principles that our authenticity is built on. So let's go back and become like a child. Let's take the opportunity to reflect on the things that a child is so that we can restore authenticity to our lives, so that we can be reborn, but we can be refocused on the fresh perspective of Christ. First of all, mentioned it a little bit before, but I think the first thing that a child speaks to us and the picture that a child gives us is purity. When a child is born, they step into this world and how many know they haven't been molded yet? There is innocence in a child. There is a fresh perspective in a child haven't been swayed or influenced or changed just by preconceived ideas or experiences, but a pure understanding. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, it says, we were like a child among you. I believe the reason this picture of a child and how they presented themselves to them is because this is what Jesus taught us to be like. That the greatest in the kingdom would be like a child because it represents purity. Children are untainted by the ideas of culture. They are unwounded by the experiences of life. And ultimately, the sin that abounds in this world has not influenced their decisions, desires, or habits. Jesus, on multiple occasions, taught about the kingdom of God and who it belongs to. And he used the reference in the words, such as these, in reference to children. In Matthew chapter 19, 13 through 15, it says, the people brought little children to Jesus to place their hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed hands on them, and he went from there. 
If we're going to be authentic, we need to reflect the purity such as a child. We need to have the purity as a child. Notice what Jesus, as he tells the disciples who rebuked the children who were coming, so if you understand what that means, the children were coming and the disciples were like, not now, not now, Jesus is busy, you know, Jesus is doing adult things right now. And Jesus is like, no, don't hinder them, let them come to me. And he prayed for them before he left that place. This word, these words just jumped out at me. Do not hinder them. Isn't it something? Don't squash their openness, their desire. Don't suppress their desire to chase after me, to see me, to come to me. Don't hinder their faith. Don't stop them from coming. Isn't that a picture for us about our priority? Not to be hindered by the ideas of this world, by the understanding of this world, but being open and desiring a touch of Jesus. Seeing that we shouldn't be hindered by our culture, by our ideologies, by everything else that's, that suppresses faith. But we should be unhindered to fully desire and open to the teachings of Jesus and the touch of Jesus in our lives. You see, God can give us a pure heart and a pure mind so that we can be authentic in his kingdom and we can live lives full of his glory exhibited through us. How do we get back to purity? Well, we have to be clean. We have to be restored. That means we have to repent. We have to remove things. Those things that have hindered us have to be put off. Whether it's sin that's in our lives that we have to turn away from and go the other way, whether it's ideas or experiences that have changed the way, the direction of our lives, we have to turn around and go the other way. We have to repent. And we have to accept the blood of Christ that restores us to our purity. When God sent his son to this world, his son died for us, shed his blood for us. And when we choose to believe in that, it cleanses us. It's like light that pierces the darkness. It changes us. It cleans us. It restores us to purity. It gets us back to being like a child. Not only does a child display to us purity, but a child displays to us humility. In 1 Thessalonians 2.6, it says, We were not looking for the praises of people, not from you or anyone else, even as the apostles of Christ. We could have asserted our authority, but instead we were like young children among you. Isn't it interesting? Now, you may not always think of a child as humble because often we're born with selfish desires, right? We, we want things that make us feel good. You know, I've got a toddler, so he wants the things that makes him feel good. But there's still something about that. There's no, like, idea of striving for some gain. It's just, like, the momentary innocence of wanting something. 
Does that make sense? And I believe there's a humility in that because we get influenced and swayed and we want to start to, we start to get a, a little bit of an ego, right? When a young toddler is corrected or whatever, it's just because he doesn't want something. It's not because it hurts his feelings that he was corrected. And I think that there's something to that with us. That as we grow and as life influences us, we want the things that make our pride feel better. We strive for titles and positions and things. And and I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard and, and be promoted and all those good things that can be benefits within the world that we live in. But what are we really striving for? Are we truly striving to do our best with the kingdom of God and what he has given to us? Or are we living our lives for the praises of people? For the perception of others? For the wealth of this world? For the greed of our selfish gain? The more we chase after the praises of people, the wealth of this world, our selfish ambition or gain, how many know we become slaves to those things? They enslave us. When we are always striving to please or get the affirmation of others, we are only acting to gain that. Our actions are held captive by choosing to do what others want us to do. When we choose only to be focused on the wealth of this world and it's all about this and all about that, our actions are changed to become wealthy, to do what will just give us a return. When we look for selfish ambition and this, that, or the other, how many know we, we change our actions? We're not truly free because our actions are all put through the filter of those other things. Pride, self-worth, selfish ambition, anything that becomes a priority over our spiritual growth and development is a compromise to our authenticity. Paul was suggesting that they didn't come looking for praises. They didn't come to gain wealth. They didn't come to be a burden to anyone else or to to leech and and pull off of others. But they came with a pure heart, with an authentic faith. Only those who humble themselves like a child and put off all of those selfish gains and aspirations and achievements of self and take on the low position of humility, those are the ones that become great. You see, it's when we take a low position, when we lay ourselves down and surrender ourselves, that we will become authentic and live authentically for the kingdom of heaven. If you just take where we were in Matthew chapter 19 and you just go back one chapter to chapter 18 in verse 1 to 5, it says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is then the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever takes on the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes as such child in my name welcomes me. Isn't it something? A low position? Humility means to put yourself in a lower position. To be put in a low position. A child has a low position. They're not the boss, even though they want to be. They're not in charge. They're not asserting their authority. They're humbled. They obtain correction. They get led and guided and told what's right and what's wrong. And we have to put ourselves in that low position so that we can truly be a dependent on our Father. A child knows they must rely and trust and be dependent. My child can't even get up to open the fridge, like get up high enough to reach the handle and pull it open. He knows that when he needs food, he's got to come to us and tell us that he wants food. We must be dependent. Our heavenly Father loves us and provides for us and guides us and corrects us. And we must choose to be dependent on him as our source. If we're always going off and doing it our own way and going our own way and doing things on our own strength and our own ability, how many know we'll always be doing things for self? But when we're dependent on our Father and our Creator, we will truly get back to following His lead and His guidance and receiving His provision for our lives. So how do we get back to a place of humility? Well, if it's a low position, then we have to reposition ourselves. We have to reposition ourselves. We have to get back to the place where we will submit to God in his presence. We have to get back to the place where it's not about us and our egos and our, the things that fulfill our lives. We truly need to find ourselves in God's presence with a heart of surrender, opening up ourselves to humility, to being humbled. Because when you truly look at it, God is so much greater than us and our abilities and our achievements and all the things that we can do with our mortal hands. And when we're in his presence and we see his greatness, how many know we'll see our low position? We'll see who we truly are. But he loves us and he cares for us to lead us when we're humble and willing to follow him. And, real, and the reality is that humility is really the foundation that helps us maintain purity. It really is the thing, because when we start to be less humble, we will compromise more. The more humble we are, it really becomes the foundation to maintaining our purity. It also becomes the foundation of how we'll act and treat other people. So not only should we have purity and humility, a child rep represents to us gentleness. 1 Thessalonians 6 says, We were not looking for the praises of people, not from you or anyone else, 
even though as apostles we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Notice he says that we're apostles. We have a calling of God. We have a position that God has given us. But we're not going to assert our authority. We're not taking the position that we're going to lord over you and we're just going to tell you what to do. We want you to see, you want, we want you to hear our words, but we want you to see our lives. They didn't take the position that they were going to exhort. They didn't come with sticks. They didn't come to beat the Bible over their heads. They came with gentleness, like a child among them. They acted with gentleness. Now, I have a little boy, and he's not always gentle. He doesn't come into the room all soft and, and quiet all the time. He can make some noise, and he can make a splash. But he doesn't exert authority. He doesn't come in thinking he's the boss or this, that, or the other, and he doesn't come in to push it around and come in and just say, this is how it's got to be, and I'm the boss, and blah, blah, blah. Maybe as a teenager that'll happen. But when we act towards others with gentleness, how many know that's when we won't hinder others? That's when we'll truly be able to teach honestly. Now, children can be honest. Don't get me wrong. But there's a purity and a humility to that honesty that it's, it's gentle. He'll tell you, man, like, it don't look good when it don't look good. They'll be brutally honest. But with a pure heart and a humble mind, we can be truthful and still be gentle. We can be tactful in how we present ourselves. Later on in, verse, in chapter 18 of Matthew, in verse 10, it says, See to it that no one despises one of these little ones. See to it that no one despises them. That word despise jumped out at me. Let us not despise others. The word despise means to regard with contempt or with scorn. Let us not be scornful or disparaging. Let us not be acting harshly with others. Having these ideas that will shape our behaviors and our actions. Having things built up in us where we perceive something and then we act out harmfully. Let us not despise little ones. Let us act with gentleness as we would treat a child. Being open compassionate, gentle. Yes, we can share the truth. And yes, we should stand for the gospel. And yes, we should not compromise in our faith, but we should be authentic enough to not take people and beat them over the head with our faith, but to treat them with gentleness. We can be truthful and gentle. We can stand when we need to stand, but we can come and treat people appropriately by following the leading of our master, Jesus. We can be like a child. 
Yes, we can be nurturing like a mother. And yes, we, can be, we should be leading like a father. But how many know mothers and fathers both start out as children first? And yes, we should mature like adults and take on that maturity. And we should get back. We shouldn't stay as an infant. But we need to start as a child and go back to the place where we have an authentic heart, an authentic mind, and our actions are untainted and unhindered so that we can approach people with purity, humility, and gentleness. There's freedom in being like a child. A child lives without the baggage of life, without the things that suppress and put off. And if we will become like that, and be refocused on a fresh and pure faith. I mean, we can truly make a difference in the world around us. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 10, it says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of a holy, righteous, and how, or how holy and righteous and blameless were we among you who believed. We can represent our faith as holy and blameless, not because we haven't made mistakes, but because we've been forgiven of those mistakes and we've gotten back to living a life that is pure. We've gotten back to living a life that is humble before God, going back to living a life that is operating in gentleness and compassion because we've made mistakes and will help others get there if we show our lives to be pure and blameless as well. One thing that really challenged me in my heart is that we shouldn't just get caught up in the pursuit of knowledge and information and status or anything else in this world above the basis of our faith in Jesus Christ. A childlike longing for God. A childlike remembering of what the foundation of our faith is really truly built on. Yes, we should learn and we should keep on striving to be more and more mature and we should grow and we should study the word of God, but we can't lose sight of the simplistic truth of the fact that we were just sinners and Christ died for us. That he was sent so that we could be reborn, not because we deserved it or we were able to do it on our own, but we were like a child needing a father to save us and to guide us. And so he gave. We can't be so holy and so spiritual and so beyond the foundations of our faith that we never go back and remember what the gospel is truly based on. And what it means for our actions right now. The title we should strive for in this life. The position that we should uphold and be most proud of. Is called child of God. So how do we get back to gentleness? We have to get back to a soft heart. A fresh heart. Maybe self-control is part of it. Maybe discipline is part of it, part of it. But how many know those things only come after we've been changed and after we've been renewed? 
Jesus is the only one that can change our hearts. Restore us to a gentle, humble, and a pure heart. Maybe this morning you're like me and you just need to be remember, you just need to be reminded to remember to reflect on the foundations of our faith. Go back to the start. Just like the day you first accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. Going back to the authentic foundation of your faith so that you could take up God's heart again. So that you can be renewed again, reborn yet again, so that we can be like a child that can truly be authentic, pure, humble, and operating in the gentleness that the Spirit leads. Let's pray. God, this morning we just ask you to help us. God, being reborn authentic is not something that we can do on our own. But it is only through the name of Jesus that we can be saved. And right now we just take the opportunity to choose that. Whether we're choosing to believe for the first time or be reminded to getting back to being like a child, Yet again, God, I pray that you would restore us to a heart that is like your heart. God, I pray that you would bring us back to being like a child that isn't molded already or, or swayed already or persuaded already to be a certain way or to achieve a certain thing, but we would be open to being like you, taking on your heart and your nature truly becoming open, unhindered, and untainted by the things of this world. God, I pray right now, we just ask that, your, that the blood of Jesus would be poured over our lives to forgive us and to restore us back to purity. That we would repent of our sinful ways, that we would turn away from the ideas that, that cause us to stray from you, the pursuits that cause us to stray from you, and that we would turn around and go the other way towards you. We would repent and accept you and walk towards you. God, I pray that you would humble us in your presence. We choose to submit before you our lives and our hearts that you would lead us in a different way, that we would be dependent upon your leading and your provision, your guidance, your strength, your abilities, not those that are our own. And God, I pray that our actions would be gentle and that we would operate and truly teach others and nurture others in their faith. But because we have the foundation of gentleness. That we have a foundation that's built on compassion 
and your love and your heart for others. And yes, we can be strong and teach and guide when we need to be. And yes, we can be nurturing and encouraging when we need to be. But we'll do all of those things because our foundation is in your love and in your gentleness. So God, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you would continue to speak to us and that your presence would continue to lead us forward from this place. That you would strengthen us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.